Today's daf is daf Tehei. Hey, we're holding three, four lines from the bottom of Pedalid Amid Beis. Yemar Bar Chashu have a masik Beizuzi Bahu Gavra. So this fellow Yemar Bar Chashu had a claim. He was the creditor against a certain individual and Shachiv Veshavik Arba. And this individual passed away and he left a boat. So there was the boat floating in the marina that now he wants to claim uh, to pay off the debt. So Amalei L'Shluchai, so this uh, Yemar could not go himself. So he appointed an agent and he said, Zil Nehali, go and seize the boat on my behalf. So Azal Tafsa, so this Shliach went and seized the boat. Pagu Bey Rapapa V'Ravhuna V'Reidr Yeshua. So as he was, when he was seizing the boat, he encountered Rav Papa and Rav Hunabrei Rav Yeshua. Now, this Rav Papa and Rav Hunabrei Yeshua were also creditors. I mean, the fellow who passed away also owed them money. So, Amrulais, they said to the agent, At Tafes the Balchayv, Vemakim Shechav Lachayrim. He says, You are seizing for a creditor, but it's in a circumstance where it's negatively, adversely affecting other people, because there are other creditors. And therefore, that if somebody is acting on behalf of a creditor, it's not the creditor doing it himself, but you're acting on the behalf of the creditor in, in, a, play, in a case where the, it, it's affecting adversely other people, i.e. the other creditors, so then, you do not acquire, the seizure is not a valid seizure. Now, there is a discussion here on the Rishonim, what exactly does this mean? Right? So the simplest shot, shot seems to be saying is that you cannot appoint an agent uh, to seize a property or seize something on your behalf where there are other credits, you, creditors. You would have to go yourself. You cannot have an agent do it for you where it's impacting negatively on others. However, Rishonin speak out that that's not necessarily what it means. What it means is as follows. What it means is that the agent cannot... Uh, cannot function more than the person himself. Your agent cannot... And since the person himself would not have been able to clearly seize it where there are other creditors involved, so your agent can't do it on your behalf where there are other agents involved, where there are other creditors involved. So, but the point is, they basically told him, based on the Psaq of Rabbi Yechanan, that you've got to go back to whoever sent you and say, is that you functioning as an agent do not have a right to seize this away from other creditors who also have a, uh, have a lien on this fellow's, uh, uh, assets. So therefore, Tafsu Inus, the two of them seized it. Now the problem is that they're, ba- they're both there themselves, but they're battling it out with each other. So Rav Papa Mimlach Meluchi, so Rav Papa was, uh, got into the boat and started rowing. They, each one wants to show ownership over the item that they seized. Rav Yeshua He was pulling the boat with ropes. So one's in the boat paddling, the other one's pulling the boat with ropes. Each one claimed that he has acquired it completely to take care of his debt. So Pagabuhu Rapinchas. So they encountered Rapinchas. Rapinchas met with two of them, our army. And Amar Lahu. So he said to them, he said, 
Guys, the truth of the matter of you, neither of you have acquired this. Why? Because we learned yesterday is that when a, uh, a, a person wants to seize property from uh, the estate, right, the property has to be in Rishusa Rabin. It cannot be even in, a, in an alley, even though it's not the uh, actual uh, 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 property of the of the estate. But even in an alley where transactions can be performed, it would not be a viable uh, seizure. In order for it to be a viable seizure, it has to be mamish in Erushus Rabin. And Raji points out that the banks of the river where this boat was had the status of a simta, had the status of an alley, did not have the status of Erushus Rabin. So therefore, neither of your seizures would be a valid seizure because you cannot seize from a, from a simta, you have to seize from Erushus Rabin. So therefore... So Amalahu he said to them that Rav and Shmuel, Amit Rabbi, they both said, that assets that are piled up in Rishusa Rabin can be seized, but not if they're in the Simta. Now the Girsa here of the Masarza Shah is Amrulay, they told him back that it's true that the sides of the, the river, the banks of the river, are considered to be like a Simta. But this boat wasn't on the banks. This boat when we seized it was actually in the actual water. And Rashi learns, and since all the boats go back and forth in that water, the water actually had a status of a Rishusarabim, which would validate the seizure. That's what they answered. So therefore, Ananami Bechirifusa de Nahara Tafsinu. We took it from the currents of the actual river itself, which have a status of the Rishusarabim. So Azakam made the Ravas. They came before Rava, and basically they, 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 they laid forth the question, I was paddling, he was pulling on the ropes, who has the right? So Amr Luhu, so Rava said to him, you're both making a big mistake. And this is based on the way we concluded yesterday. He said, Kaki Chivri, white geese. White geese is the way they would uh, address with respect to Talmud Chacham. White geese, they dressed in white. Mishal the Inshi, you're ripping off the clothing of, a pe- of people. It means you're stripping people of their clothing, which basically means you're stealing something you don't have a right to take away right now. Why? Because Hachi Amr Nachman, We ruled yesterday as Machlokas, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfun, is that whether or not you can seize from the estate only when the person is still alive, and then it's good, or once he dies, can it be seized? And Rabbi Tarfun actually, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Tarfun learned you could take it after the person died. But we passed in the halacha was like Rabbi Akiva, that as soon as the person dies, it belongs to the estate, and you cannot take metaltalin from the estate. So therefore, so he said uh, uh, that 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 seizure of metaltalin only helps if the Baal was still alive. All right. Mara brings down over here uh, uh, a number of, of uh, uh, different stories that involve uh, financially uh, how to pay off debts, etc. So, Avimi Zuzi This is the opposite case over here. This is a case that Avimi owed money. He owed money in Bechuzoi and he wasn't able to track trek out all the way to Bechuzoi. He didn't want to have a situation where he owed money. So he sent Shadrina Biyad Chama Bereidurava Bar Avahu. So he sent in the name uh, in the hands of Chama, he sent the money to go pay the people in Bechuzoi that he owed. So Azal Par Inuhu. So this uh, uh, this 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 uh, fellow Chama went and paid them. Now he made a big mistake. 
Because what he should have done is, okay, you know, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. I mean, let me have the IOU. When you give me the IOU, I will give you the money. He paid up front. Now, what they claimed is that this money is not, we're going to take this money not to pay off the written debt. He also owes us a milval pet. There's a side debt that he still owes us money, which is an oral debt that he owes us for. And therefore, we're going to claim this money for the oral debt. And the written debt is still, still remains, right? Everyone's got what's going on here. So when says, so Azal, he went, Barino, he paid him off. So Amr Luhu, Havlu Shtar. So he now said, I want the IOU. So Amr Luhu, that this is to take care of a, 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 a side debt. This is taking care of a side oral debt, speaks, says Rashi, where there is no documentation. So Azal made Rabbi Avo. So he went to this, uh, he went to, Avim, he went to Rabbi Avo, and he said, like, what, what, what's the deal over here? So Amr Luhu, so Avo said, Amalei said to him, "Is Sadi Do you have any witnesses that even saw you give the money? Means, is there any witnesses that actually even saw you pay?" So Amalei, no, I didn't know that. I need to have witnesses. So he says, Amalei, Migu Diacholin Lomar. They have a Migu. They have a tool of believability. Or Migu. They could have just said, if they wanted to lie, what could they have just said? Lahadam. Then you never gave us anything. Right? So he says, that we don't even know this guy. This guy never gave us anything. They are believed to say that this is for a side debt for a milva alpeh, and uh, therefore you cannot say that the written document has been satisfied, and they do not have to give the IOU. But now the question is, he's got to go back to the original debtor. And the shliach has to go, the question is, does the debtor have any claim on the shliach that you damaged me and now you need to pay me, I want my money back, right? Is there any shayla like that? So, the inyan shlumi shliach, does the shliach, concerning the, the shliach paying, so my, what's our locho? So, Amar Vashir, Vashir says, let's take a look at what the original verbiage of the instruction was. He says, Chazinon, If he said explicitly, first take the IOU before you pay the money, that was the instruction. So, so they have Meshalem. So then the Shliach has to pay the, uh, the, 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 the debtor. Why did the Meshliach have to pay the debtor? Because he did not follow the instructions. The instruction was first take the IUU and then pay. But But if he said, give the money and then ask for the IOU, then then he doesn't have to pay. Why not? Because he followed the instruction. The fact that they're not giving, you go find it out. It's not the Shliach's problem. So when says the Lohi, but that's not actually, that's not the Halacha. Why is that not the Halacha? This is the way Mephorshim explained. Is as long as he mentioned that there is a star, that there is an IOU, there is an expectation, anyone with common sense understands that if there is an IOU out there, what should be the appropriate way to deal with when you're paying off a debt? Make sure you get the document before you pay up. So therefore, it doesn't matter the order. The bottom line is, as long as he made mention that there is a document. Now, the Mephorshim speak out over here, because if you didn't make mention that there's a document, 
Like let's just say, just go pay the guy, and you don't even mention the document, then you can't have any tightness, because it could have been, in his mind, it could have been a, a, an oral loan. He didn't know that it was a written loan to ask for the document. But if you made clear that you should get the document, then it's incumbent on the shliach to ensure that the document is paid first, no matter what the order was. Velohi, benkach, benkach, whether you mention document first, or document later, Meshalen, the, the shliach has to pay, I sent you as an agent to do something that is beneficiary for, beneficial for me. Veloi lavusi, I didn't send you to do something that is going to be to my detriment. And what you did is something to my detriment, you should have ensured that you first hold on to the document before you pay up the money, and therefore the shliach has to pay. So there's a certain expectation of common sense that the shliach has to have. But again, only if you mention that it's a written loan. If you did not mention to the shliach it's a written loan, then there's no way that he would know. But even if it didn't mention it was a written loan, but if you're paying off somebody and you have no witnesses... Okay, so now, if the claim would have been, you're right, if the claim would have been that they say that he never paid, then I guess the question is, you don't give money without having witnesses there. Right? Then, then you would be able to probably go back to the shliach as well. Right? Unless you could argue that the shliach could say is that you didn't tell me to have witnesses there. It means if you trust the guy, why should I have any uh, less trust in him than you have. Maybe you should have been telling me to have the witness. You could. There is such a spoiler that it's brought down. If you wanted me to have witnesses there, you should have told me I need to have witnesses there. The fact there's no witnesses there and it's an oral loan, that's on you, not on me. All right. Let's go back to it. So, there was a certain woman, that Somebody came over and gave her and said, I want you to hold on to these for me. It was a bag of IOUs. Now, the, the bag of IOUs means really the only one who could collect with those IOUs is the person who gave it to her. She herself would not be able to use those IOUs unless there was a formal transference of the loan to her. But that's not what happened over here. Now, also, now what happened was the guy died. The guy died. Now, she claims that the guy who gave her the, the, the bag owed her money. And therefore, she said, I am seizing the bag and the documents as payment for the money that I was owed. Now, let's understand this for a moment. Let's say there's $150,000 of claims in these documents. The estate, to them, it's worth $150,000. Why? Because as Yarshim, they can collect the father's debt. Now, to the woman, to the woman herself, the most it's worth is what the paper that it's written on. So let's say for her it's worth 20 bucks. Right? But she... The paper itself is worth 20. Because that's the only thing she can really seize. She can't seize the debt. Right? So, but she's saying, I seize this, and therefore, she's basically leveraging the estate. She's saying to them, listen, your husband owes me $5,000, your father owes me $5,000. If you want this back, pay me the $5,000, I'll give it back. Otherwise, I'm holding this as payment. I it's only 20. Okay, so I got 20 bucks out of the 5,000. But to me, I'll take the 20 bucks. To them, it's worth a lot more. So basically, she wants them to pay the $5,000 that she claims that their father owed her. 
So the Yarshim came and they claimed that the bag is theirs and therefore she has to give it over. So she said to them, Now this is very important because we saw the Alochas, you cannot seize after the death of the, the, uh, of the debtor. So she claims that I seized this from your father when he was still alive and therefore what? My seizure Good. is a valid seizure. So as the commander of Nachman, the king of Nachman, of Nachman said a very smart thing. He says, Do you have any proof that when the, when the Balchov, I'm sorry, when the, when the credit, when the debtor, the father was still alive, that he came back to you and said, I want my bag back. And what did you answer? And saying, no, I'm taking this as payment for the money you owe me. Do you have any proof of that? Because if you don't have any proof of that, then logic dictates that you only seize this after he died. After he died. And if you seize it after he's died, then Allah is like Rabbi Akiva. That's not a valid seizure. And you would have to give the bag back to the Yorshim. So, uh, so I'm relay. So she said to Rav Nachman, Loy, I don't have any proof. She says, We have to deal with this like it was a seizure after the death of the debtor and and therefore a seizure after is already transferred to the estate and Loiklum it's not a valid seizure. Loiklum he. Okay. Now there was a woman that was obligated to take an oath in the basin of Rova. So let's just speak out just a case. Where would it be a person obligated in the Raisa, let's say, to take an oath? So the case was that, let's say, Ruvain came over to this woman and said that uh, you owe me a thousand dollars. And she said... I already paid 500 of that thousand. She's moda b'miktsas. Right? The halacha is that when a person is a moda b'miktsas, the Torah allows her to swear that she already paid the 500 and then the most that the fellow is able to collect is the balance. But he's not allowed to collect the first 500 if she's willing to swear. So she swears in order not to pay. Now the problem over here was that Rava had a wife who was the, who was the daughter of Chista. And the daughter of Chista came to Rava and she says, you know, that lady that came into Bastin, I have first-hand knowledge, I have heard of myself that she runs uh, fast and loose when it comes to making shvuas. Meaning any oath that she will take is worthless because she cannot be trusted with the oaths that she makes. So now Rava has this inside information concerning this woman. So what Rava did, there is a concept when the person is not able to take an oath. For whatever reason, say the guy's a god, the guy, you're not able to take an oath. So what you then do is you switch the oath. You switch it to the other party. The claimant is allowed to take the oath that what? That you owe me the full thousand dollars... And then based on that oath, he can claim not only the balance, but even can claim that 500 that she's saying she doesn't owe. So that's what Robert did. So Amalei Basro Chistus, the daughter of Chistus, was Robert's wife, said to him, Yadana bought the Chashuda Ashua. He says, I know that she's suspect when it comes to oaths. I've heard her make false oaths myself. So Avcha Robert le Shavua Akashanegdo. So Robert switched around the Shavua to the claimant and allowed the claimant to make the oath in order to collect 
the additional $500. Everyone got what, what happened here. Right? So that's the case. Now, remember, it was one witness, right? And not even a, a, his wife, who said you cannot trust this lady, his wife. It was the daughter of Achista, which was the wife of Rova. Rova was the dying. So now, Zimnin, uh, sometime later, Hava Yosvikamei, uh, Rava in his basin was sitting there, Rapapa, Ravada Barmasna. So there were these three people sitting in basin, and I saw And a star came to basin. I mean, I guess there was a claim. Ruben is claiming Shimon owes him a thousand dollars. Shimon is saying, I paid. Ruben produces a document that Shimon owes him the thousand dollars. Fine. So Amalei Rapapa, Yadana Star Pariyahu. says, I know for a fact that that document is actually a paid document. I can't explain why Ruvain still has it, but it is in my... I have knowledge that Shimon actually did pay off that document. So Amalei, uh, so, uh, so Rava said to him, Do you have another person who can testify with you that it could be to aid him testifying that the document has been paid? So Papa said no. But even though you yourself are saying this, but to use you as one witness to be able to say now that Shimon is not required to pay based on the fact that you're saying that you know that Ruvain already used this star once before, he says... Uh, I, I can't, I can't base myself on that, and therefore Ruvain can use that star to collect. So Amalei of Adabar Master, so Adabar Master, who was aware of the story that happened previously with Rava's wife, see, said, He says, why should Rapapa be any worse? Than your wife, the daughter of Achista. The daughter, you relied on her, even though it wasn't to aid him, to, uh, to go ahead and make the woman the, uh, have to pay the full amount because you used her testimony to say that she is disqualified to take an oath. So why aren't you trusting Rav Papa on his own to say that this Ruvain is doing something underhanded and he's trying to collect the second time with the same star. So what Rava answered, he says, I know her well. I, I, I know her intimately. And therefore, I trust when she says that this woman is not trusted for a shmur, I can accept her word for it. Whereas Mar, Rapapa, wonderful fellow, I don't know him that well. And since I don't know him that well, even though Rapapa, I think, was a Talmud of Rapa, which is interesting. But he said like this, I don't know him as well, and therefore, without having two witnesses, I cannot invalidate or the usage of that star. So, Amara Papa. So, Rapapa said, based on what I'm hearing from you, Rova, that if you have intimate knowledge concerning someone that he can be trusted, that under that circumstance you can use someone and trust them, my son, Abamar, I have a son, Abamar, that I, the king of that I know him very well, I trust him 100 things. So, if he would say that a star is disqualified, then what, based on what you're saying is, 
Karana l'shtara apume, I would be able to tear up a star based on him. Which the chorah is a shtiklos fair, because you're going a person eight echad against a star, which generally has status of to aid him, right? So when it says like this, no, that you're, 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 you're mixing apples and oranges. When, let's go to the two scenarios we had. The daughter of Rabchista, the wife of Rova, right? She wasn't saying, oh, that woman has to pay based on what she was saying. All she was saying is we don't allow her to take an oath because she's not trusted. So therefore, that, uh, that testimony, if you trust the testimony, allows you to say, okay, let the other person take the oath. But you're not actually saying she does, she does or does not have to pay based on even one witness. You're not saying that. Similarly, in the case over here, right, when, uh, when, when, um, but if you're saying, you want to, you want to say from that, that you can tear up a star. Tearing up a star is actually saying, I'm using one witness against the star. You don't have to pay. That's not what I was saying. What you would say is that unless the holder of the star can bring better proof, Right? I'm not going to allow him to use it in this best thing based on information that I know. Now it's interesting that before a died from Rashi, that Rashi holds, but if you would go, if he would take you to court in another based in, where that, where you, they don't know this additional information, then Taka, that would still be able to be used. But to tear up the star, I never said you're allowed to tear up the star just because you have expert knowledge concerning validity or not validity. So Mora says like this. Uh, Mora says like this. So therefore, Karana, uh, where's the place? You think I would hold that based on, because you know the person well, you can tear up a star? What I would say is, you weaken the star. It means I won't allow it to be necessarily used in this based in, but if you go to a different basin, they might be able to use it, or if this fellow is able to bring other outside source of proof, he'd be able to, but I don't tear up the star based on one eight, but based on one eight, I can't tear up a star. So that's an interesting idea that the, uh, how a, a, a judge has to act where he has some uh, Inside information as to you know where there is there something's being taught uh, is legitimate or not. Let's go on. There was a certain woman that was obligated uh, to take an oath in the based in of Rav Bibi, the son of Abaya. So the other litigant, meaning the person that she's taking the oath against, the person she's taking the oath against, said, "Listen." He says, we are not in our hometown. Right? And I am concerned that maybe she's more brazen to take an oath in, place, in a place where people don't know who she is. The gifts of the, of the, of the Bach over here. Let, let, uh, let, uh, give us permission that we should be able to go and cause her to, and let her take the oath in the basin of the hometown, because maybe in the basin of the host town, the mechzava she'll be embarrassed, umudayo, and she will admit to owing the money. So Amra Lahu, so she said, I'm willing to do that. However, what I want is, I want you to pre-write a document that basically exonerates me 
if I take the oath in the based in my hometown, I guess this was a Mochashev, uh, this was a Mochashev uh, based in, or maybe she didn't want to go through the red tape of getting this document written in her hometown. So if you write this document that basically says that I'm exonerated, obviously it only can be delivered to me when? After I take the oath. I'm willing to go then take the oath if you have this already pre-arranged and pre-written that it's not going to schlep any more than that. That's what she said. So she says, Write for me the document of exoneration. I want you to write that. Then I'm willing to do it. The That when I will take the oath in my hometown, you'll be able to hand me the document. So so Bibi Abayah said, sounds like a fair deal to me. Write the document, obviously don't give it, and then when she takes the oath, you will hand it to her. So Amar Rapapis, Rapapis said, very strong language. He said, we know that Rav and Abayah came from the, the, the lineage of Bnei Eli. And there was a curse against Bnei Eli that they would die young. So we find throughout Shas that sometimes when people are not happy with statements that are made by either Rav and Abayah, they say, since you come from a lineage that is being cut off, you say things that are, sometimes you say things that are cut off, that, uh, that have no basis to them. Because you come from Bnei Eili that are cut off, you have said something that has no basis, that's something that's cut off. So, what uh, says, but, um, and, and why? Why was Rapapi upset at what Rab, uh, Rab, that Bibi Barabai had said? So he said like this, because Rava Paskin as follows, we know that if there is a question to the validity of a star, to the validity of a document, there is something that's called a henpeck or an ashrasa. What's an ashrasa or a henpeck? Is that it's basically a a a a a, a a a a seal or a document, really, that it's a document that's written by the Dayanim to say that we investigated, and in front of Basin, proof was shown, either handwriting analysis or Adam showed up, to verify the validity of the document, and therefore this document can be used to claim with. That's called an ashrasa or a hempek. That's what it is. It basically certifies or validates the star as being valid. Now, Rava said as follows. Rava said that you can only write this document, this Ashrasa, only after the witnesses testify to the validity of the star. Which means you're not allowed to write it first. Right, maybe just more easier to write it first, and then when it when it's uh, when it when it's the, the star is validated, then you will uh, attach it or give it over. Then you'll do. Why can't you do that? He says because it looks like a sheker. Why does it look like a sheker? Because how do you validate it prior to the even though at the end of the day it should be no harm, no fail. Why? Because you're only going to use it. After the base didn't have valid, stick with this bro over here. That, 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 after the base didn't validate. So therefore, says, uh, Rapapi, then the same thing should apply over here. How can you write this document of exoneration for her 
if she has not yet sworn, even though you're only going to give her that point, but you're still, you're writing something that looks like a sheker. And based in cannot write something that looks like a sheker. That's the point. Because Ha'ama Rabba, Ha'asrasa, Asrasa is this henpeg. This document of validation that based in right to say that they, they know for a fact that this star is a valid star, the Ashrasa Dadaini of the judges, the Mikhtava Mikamei, the Nachvu Sahadi, that before the uh, the witnesses have come and testified that this is their handwriting, this is their signatures, Sula, it is disqualified. Why? Alma we see, Mexica Shikra, that a document that is, even if it's temporarily looks like it's a Sheker, that is a disqualified document. Therefore, circling back. So in this case too, Rabbi Barabaya should not be allowing such a document to be written. Sachanami, so too, Mexica Shikra, it looks like it's a Sheker. Says Valesa. That actually that ruling is not a correct ruling. Rav Nachman, who was one of the chief Dayonim in Babel, received from the ruling of Rav Nachman that we don't concern ourselves with this Mexican shikr that looks like a false document and therefore disqualifies it. We see that we're not worried about it. And therefore, Rabibi Bayabaya was within his rights to say what? Write it first. You could write it first and give it later. Where do we see this? Dam Rav Nachman. He says like this, there is a machlokus between Rav Meir and the Chachamim. What is the machlokus? The machlokus is the din of Lishmo. That when you write a get, it's talking about actually a get of, for a woman, that has to be done Lishmo. The Torah says, because of Lishmo. Rav Meir holds, the only thing that has to be written Lishmo is the signatures. Meaning, that let's say you have a document that Ruvain is divorcing Leah. You just have to happen, the documents is written in Leia. That wasn't written necessarily for this roof in that layer. Not a problem as long as when the signatures are signed, it's for this Ruvain and it's for this layer. Otherwise, if you just find a signed star that says Ruvain's divorcing layer and happened to be signed for a different Ruvain layer, you wouldn't be able to use it. Chachamim hold more. They say not only the signatures have to be Lishma, but the actual text the Ruven that it's written for and the Leah has to be for the Ruven and Leah getting divorced. That's, so now, so therefore it says like this. So, so, Amadam Rav Nachman, Omer Ayur of Meir, the Rav Meir hell would say, that even if you find a star, a get, in the garbage, a thrown out star, but, but it did not have signatures on it, and you took it, so it says, and it says Ruven is divorced, Leah, you can take it as long as the signatures are being written now, for this particular case, the Chasm of Enos Melon, they wrote and gave it to Chasher as a Kosher star. And even though the Chachamim disagree with Rav Meir over there, why do they disagree with Rav Meir in that case? Because they hold it's not enough just to have the signatures written to the star. But, right. Now, that's only in star Noshim, in a Git Get and a Git Noshim. But Ella, the Git Noshim, that's where they argue. But there are inan because they hold that the writing of the star has to be written lishma. Abel v'shar staros, but actually in other staros that would not necessarily be problematic. Module that the chora they would agree with Rav Meir that, that in essence there is no need of lishma, which means technically if you have a document that says Ruven is lending Shimon a thousand dollars, and let's say the dates work out, and, but it wasn't necessarily for this event. Technically, what should be the halacha, since you don't need lishma? You could be able to use that document. Right? Modulay, Dravasi, the Modulay, they would agree, the Amravasi, the Amrav Yechon, and Star Shalava Boy, Upara, 
Now, and where do we see this from? Because we see that Rabbi Yochanan ruled that they just have to come up with a crazy case. That Ruvain lent Shimon a thousand dollars in the morning, and there was a document, and he paid him off an hour later, and then he came back uh, three hours later, and he says, "You know what? I need a loan again." So technically, you should be able to use that same document. Because the date's the same, the names are the same, even though it wasn't written for that second event. The only reason you can't use it, why can't you use it? So he says like this, you cannot go ahead and use it again to create the new loan. Why? Very interesting why. Because if you use a document for a loan, when you use a document for a loan, it creates a lien on property. Right? It's when I, I, uh, when, so therefore like this, there's two things happening. I owe Gene the money, and my property now is got a lien on, uh, to pay Gene off. Now, when that star was originally paid, the first pay, payment, I no longer owe Gene, but not only that, the sheboard that goes on, and that makes a big difference, because when there's a lien on my property, that affects encumbered properties, and if I would sell that property, the lien shifts over. Now, the new document, since it wasn't written for the new loan, it does not have the capacity to encumber my property. In order to encumber my property, you have to write a new document. So therefore, you cannot use the old document a second time, because what's going to happen, that doesn't even look like Sheker. That would actually be Sheker. Because it would, uh, the, it would seem that you're encumbering property, even though technically that, that old document does not have the ability. That's the only reason not to do it. So what do you see? Only because of that problem. But because it looks like Sheker, we're not worried about. Meaning, you could argue, what do you mean? It wasn't written for that event. So therefore, how could you use it looks like Sheker? No, we're not worried about that. The only problem is, is the encumbering of the property. So therefore, you see from this ruling of Rav Nachman, is that we're not worried about things looking like Sheker. If there's actually a problem, then we're worried about it. Because, but the, the appearance of it is not what there is a problem about. So when it says like this time at the Nimchal Shibuta, the only reason is... Right, let's read it again. I'm sorry. Because when you paid off the first time, the Shibud, the lien was, uh, was, was, was relinquished. And once that lien was relinquished, you cannot use, create that new lien with the same old document. Time The problem only is because the, the Shibud was relinquished. But the fact is, it looks like Sheker. Why does it look like Sheker? Because you're actually using a document that wasn't for, right, but so it looks like there's like there's a there's a uh, perception of being, but we don't worry about that. So you see that the connect we're not concerned about, and therefore unless there's an actual problem, which in that case there is an actual problem, otherwise we're not concerned. Right. Ahu Gavra, there was a certain individual, the the Afgade that he gave as a deposit, he gave to to watch Shev Marganisa de Tsairi Bisadina, seven pearls that were wrapped in a in a, in a handkerchief, Bey Rebbe Me'asha Barbarate of Yeshua Ben Levi. So he gave this to watch, right, as a, uh, just watch this for me. Now, Shochib Rab Me'asha, Rab Me'asha passed away, below pocket, and he did not give instruction what to do with this. Now, the issue is that the estate, his children, were claiming possibly what? They, they, maybe there was his. They didn't know what, what, what the deal with it was, with, right? So, Azlika made the Rav Ami. So, they came to Rav Ami. Rav Ami was the dying. So, Amr Lahu. So, Rav Ami said, there's two reasons why I know the estate doesn't get it. Right? One, number one is, Chadad Yadinabed Rav Miyasha Barbarate of Yeshua Ben Levi Dilo Ami. First of all, I know that he was a, a pauper. He was a poor person. And he would not be owning 
seven pearls. Number one. That, that the claimant, there was a claimant over there saying that it were his, he was able to give specific identification markings that about the pearls he was able to give. There were seven, whatever the issue that he was able to give to show that he is the owner. So therefore, even though the estate was saying, well, maybe my father bought them, maybe my father owns them, there was a claimant saying, no, I gave them to him to watch, and these are the simonim concerning them. But the Mordech says, now, this only works, that the person giving the markings is not somebody that's like a Ben Bias, that goes back and forth and has familiarity with the father's home. Because if he is a person that's found there all the time, then the fact that he's giving the markings is, 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 not, a, uh, is not a valid proof. So the Aval Ragil, the Aval Navi Lassim, but if he constantly visits and goes back and forth, it could be that somebody else deposited it. means it doesn't make it the estate, because I know the estate don't own it because the father never had got money, but it doesn't mean the claimant has it either because it's the only reason he knows the signs, the simonim, is because the Ewa Mechza Hochaza, he's having to notice. The one of my three stories, the same, same type of story. Person gave over a, uh, to watch a, a, a silver goblet to Chasa, right? Now, Shachav Chasa, interesting, Rashi points out that, that from the story in Barbasra, he drowned. And he never gave instructions. So they, they came to Rav Nachman. There was the claimant saying it's his, and the estate saying that maybe our father owned it. So First of all, I know Chasa does not have that kind of wealth. And the claimant is giving signs. But it only works if the person wasn't a Ben Baiz, that he goes back and forth to the house. Then I have to be concerned that maybe it's not really his, it belongs to somebody else, and he just happened to see the signs because he's found this out. Third case, that the person gave over silks, he gave over silks to watch by Rav Dimi. Shachar Rav Dimi, Rav Dimi died, the Lord Pocket did not give instruction. Asla Kameh, Rav Yabo, so again, came to Rav Bastin. Again, an argument between the estate and the claimant. So, Amar Lohu, Chada, the Yadana Beib, Rav Dimi, Dole Amit. First of all, I know that he's not wealthy. And also the claimant's giving signs about the silt. But if he does come back and forth, then we have to be concerned that he was there and he noticed what the signs were, but it really belongs to somebody else, and therefore you could not give it to him based on the say-so. Okay. Next case. A person prior to his... Uh, passing away, he gives the last will instead. And testimony, he says, I want all my assets to go to somebody by the name of Tuvia. But that's all he gave. No other identification. The guy's name is Tuvia. Shochiv, he dies. Asa Tuvia. And lo and behold, a Tuvia shows up. Like where there's a will, there's relatives, right? So therefore, the point is, this guy Tuvia shows up. Now, Free coincidence, right? He said, I want to give it to you, and there's a guy who shows up. So what, is it imp- uh, what does it imply? Even though there's thousands of Tuvias around, but the fact that this Tuvia showed up, what does that Lechora sh- indicate? That he is the Tuvia that the person meant. So therefore, Amrav Yechanan, Harei Tuvia, since Tuvia has shown up, 
we can give it to this Tuvya. Now, Amar Tuvya, but also Rav Tuvya. Let's say, he said, I want to give it to Tuvya. The guy who shows up, his name is, he's got, he's got Smicha. His name, they call him not Tuvya, they call him Rav Tuvya. I'm not sure it's full Smicha, but he's known as Rav Tuvya, right? It's not Rebbe Tuvya, it's Rav Tuvya. So now, you can't give it to him because since he's known as Rav Tuvya, people will not refer to him as Tuvya. Therefore, the Choriyah be concerned that maybe there is another fellow whose name is Tuvya and this is Rav Tuvya and you can't give it to him. The E inish the Gizbe. But if this Rav Tuvya is somebody that's very close with the deceased, then you can give it to him because it's very possible since they were so close that what? He would be calling him Tuvia and not be calling him Rav Tuvia. Hagiz Bey, since he has that familiarity, then you can give it to him. Now, Azishnei Tuvia, two Tuvias show up, alright? Shachain, uh, one is a neighbor, the Talmud Chacham, and one is a scholar. So the next door neighbor's name is Tuvia, and there's a Talmud Chacham that shows up, and his name is Tuvia, and both are vying for the assets. So one says like this, Talmud Chacham Kayyad, we give it to Talmud Chacham. Why do you give it to Talmud Chacham? So the Svara that Mepharshim say here is because the guy before he is passing away wants to rack up as many merits and there's a very big merit in being Mahana at Talmud Chacham. It would make sense that he is like giving it to the Talmud Chacham that it should be in his merit that the guy's learning that his learning should be in his merit. So why not why didn't Reb, Reb Tuvia give it? Because, because since he wasn't called Tuvia he's called Rav Tuvia he would have used the name Rav Tuvia if he meant that fellow. Well, we're here with the Talmud Chacham. The Talmud wasn't a Rav he didn't have Smicha. He's a Talmud Chacham. Right? So it doesn't say he was a, a Talmud he didn't have Smicha. So why is it like this? Now there's a relative, his name is Tuvia, and there's a Talmud Chacham, is Tuvia, and they both show up. He says, he meant me, right? Talmud Chacham Kaidim, again. Talmud sounds like stickle home cooking, but the point over here is you give it to the Talmud Chacham, the same Svara, why? Because it makes sense that he, in his merit, he's going to rack up uh, brownie points, so that makes sense that he wants the Talmud Chacham. Interesting Shiloh. There's a neighbor, his name is Tuvia, next door neighbor, and there's a relative who comes from another, from another, na- from, from, from another city, right? Who did you, th- who do you think he meant? The relative, or does he mean the neighbor? So, at Toshima, that we quote the Pasuk from, Tav, uh, from, Dav, from, Dav, uh, from Shlomo Amela. Shlomo Amela says in, Ke- in Kehelet, Shaiv Shachin Karai, that a close neighbor is better than from a far brother. Alright? So therefore, what does that mean? Who did he mean? The neighbor. Let's say they all have Alamilas. He's your neighbor, he's your relative, and he's a ta- and both of them. Who do you give it to? You want to say it? Shudadadaini. Shudadadaini is a fascinating ruling. Shudadadaini means it's the, it's the cast. It's the cast. Literally, Shudadadaini means the throw. It's the throw of the dayan. means the dayan has to go with his gut. Listen to both of them, hear both of them. Who does it Moshe says, means that the Dayan has special, uh, uh, has special direction from Shemayim. You make the decision based on what your gut tells you. Others, there's actually, some learn uh, that, that means, I know that you, you have to, there's, uh, ex, ex, uh, circumstantial, you look for circumstantial evidence of which one it means. But Moshe seems to say even, no, 
you have a right to say this. I, I, I don't have a basis for it, but this is what I think it means. You can go with that as well. That's the draw. That's the luck of the draw. That's what it, uh, that it's referring to. Let's go back to it. Rabbi said to the son of Let me say, tell you something that your father, is, is, uh, the Rabbiya, the, the, he said to the son of Rabbiya, Bar Avin. Let me tell you something. Your father, Rabbiya Bar Avin, something that you used to say. That Hada Amr Shmuel. Shmuel said an interesting thing. He says like this. Let's say uh, Ruvain sells. We talked about this before. An IOU. So Ruvain has a document. Now the document states that someone owes Ruvain money. And he goes and he sells that document to Gene. So therefore, somebody sold an IOU. Now Gene has an IOU that says that the money is owed to Ruvain. But Ruvain has now sold over the document to Gene. Right? The halacha is as follows, is that Gene technically, because he bought the loan, Gene can collect. Right? But the interesting thing is going to be, what happens if that fellow says, that sold it to Gene, says, I'm moichel the loan. Can he still be moichel the loan? Because if he's moichel the loan, what does it do to Gene? He says, or do we say, once you sold it over, then he doesn't have the capacity to be mochel. We're going to see he could be mochel. We'll explain him what the lumbus for that in a moment. So therefore, so therefore, uh, and then the seller went and was mochel. Now whether our gene can go back and get his money back, that's a shot. But whatever, that's not the point. Right. Not only that, the fellow who, Ruvain, who was the one that, that, that was the original creditor, even his children who inherit him, also could be mochel, the loan, and cutting out Gene from being able to collect with it. Why is that? The Shona explained, as we said before, is when you lend money, there's actually two things. One is, I personally, you owe me personally the money. So I have a lien on you personally. And number two, your land is your land is Meshubed to pay off the land. You're Meshubed to pay off and I and the land. Now, the, the lender can transfer the Shibud that he has on that per, the personal Shibud he can sell. What you can't sell is the Shibud on the land. That cannot be sold. Okay, so you will again. You, you lent someone money when you lend somebody money, that person has two liens on, on you personally. As a, uh, I mean, the, the, the that you have, you have a, a, a lien on him and you have a lien on his, his property. What you can sell over is the shibud that he has on, that, that, that you have on him. You can transfer that. You but you can't transfer the shibud that the land has. And therefore, there still is an attachment that you have to the loan. Since there still is an attachment to the, to the loan, there can still be a mechila. That's the, that's the, uh, it, it can still, so that's, that's the board. So therefore, so that's what Shmuel Paskin. Now what it, but Moda Shmuel, but what Shmuel will agree to, let's say a woman brought into the marriage a loan, a loan document that somebody owes her a thousand dollars. Now, this is important because that has a status of nichsem alud. Right? When that money will be paid up, the husband's allowed to invest that money and use the, he uses the payros for it. So now, in such a case, let's say she wants to be mochel. 
She cannot be mochel anymore. Why can't she be mochel that loan? Because once she brings it into the marriage, he has an equal power on that loan, so she cannot be mochel cutting him out, because he has the, similarly, he can't be mochel either. But therefore, that right, that gives a fruitful right that he has, stops her from being able to be mochel on the loan. That's what, that's what he's adding. So therefore, she brought a shachov into the husband, uh, for the, for the, into the marriage. And then she went and wanted to be mochel, this IOU, because his hand is equal to her hand. He has an equal power over that nixnamalug now, and therefore that precludes or prevents her from what? From be mochel that chov. Alright, John, we'll stop with that. Yeah.